Church's online worship service. My name is Garen, and I'm just looking forward to uh, presenting God's word to you this morning. And uh, I'm just I'm just thankful for what the Lord is wanting to show us this morning. Uh, again, just want to say welcome to Cross Point Community Church family and friends. And uh, no telling what the Lord's going to do as far as uh, being able to just share this video. We want to encourage you to do that. Uh, the, the first thing we want to encourage is that you would sit down with your family uh, uh, this morning. Just really just take that time that you would just get all the distractions out of the way. And just to be able to sit down and go through um, this these verses uh, and, and see what the Lord has for you. Also do that with your with your with your family. Uh, like I said, with your children, we have uh, online some online resources as far as uh, just some things for our children. A couple of the ladies in the church were able to, to kind of get together and put some things uh, for you and your family. And so we encourage you to uh, uh, to go through that together. Also, we have an outline too that's available online. Uh, that we would love for you to just to be able to follow along through this uh, through this sermon. And so uh, please take advantage of all this. I'm very grateful, very thankful that we're able to have this kind of technology for us to, you know, uh, worship together in this situation and all these different homes. And, and, and I think this is a really good thing. You know, uh, as I've been talking to uh, to other ministers and understanding, you know what, the Lord is the Lord is doing something, whether it's whether it's a situation and we could say that. You know, maybe it's the Republican Party or the Democratic uh, uh, Democratic Party uh, that is causing these things. Whatever uh, we we know, Lord, that you're in control. That you are the one that orchestrates all these different things, Lord God, and that uh, nothing takes you by surprise. And so, as we look to you and say, you know what? What are you trying to show me through these times? What are you trying to show us as a church through these times? And I pray that we would not only take advantage of these times, but we would also learn something from it that we understand you know what not only meeting at a church but also in the future just being able to broadcast and be public about it and that we would be even more vocal about our faith uh, and about what God is doing in our church we, that we would continue after this time and so anyway we want to uh, you know we've, we've never been a, a church a very very orthodox church up to this point uh, in our infant stage uh, we met um, in, in our home. In this home, for the first couple of Sundays, we met at a um, at a shop, uh, a, a shed, and a and a coffee shop. And we've met at a school, and, and now we uh, are meeting at the Methodist Church uh, here in De Quincey. And so it's just been all kind of different places to worship. And I I pray no matter where we meet, that most importantly that we would meet with God. And so as we just really dive into it. I want us to uh, really, uh, again, focus in on what the Lord has for you and for your family this morning. And uh, I want to pray for us first and foremost, and then I want to just dive into God's word. Lord God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you, Lord God, for whatever you're doing through this time, Lord God, that we would just trust you. We would look to you, Lord God, and know, you know what? We don't have to be people of uncertainty that we can know that you uh, are taking care of your people, Lord God, and we would just continue to look to you and trust you even during difficult times, Lord God. And I pray that we'd be faithful in that area. Again, we love you and we praise you. Speak to us during this time, Lord God. I pray that we would have this word to be not only uh, in a place of conviction in my heart and life, but in a place of being able to, to do and to be called out to the things that you have for us. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 
Well, I'm really thankful again for uh, just our church and just our leadership. And, uh, you know, Jake and I, as we constantly look at, you know, where are we, where are we going as a church and, and looking at, you know, what, what do our people need? What do we need uh, to grow in the Lord as a congregation? And, and uh, again, not only for our families, not only for our individual lives, but also for our church. And we've been able to go through different books of the Bible. Uh, and that's been really good. The last one we went through was the book of James and looking out, looking at how we could have victory in the Lord and just living in that victory uh, in our lives. Many times as Christians, we live defe- defeated lives. And so the book of James was showing us of how we can live victorious uh, in the Lord. And so we've been able to do that in our young infant life as a church. And and I, and I hope you've enjoyed that. And now we've been looking at the book of Samuel and looking at first Samuel of, of how we wanted to look at these these kings and how we can know what's God's will for our life and just seeking out those things. And Saul is so different than David and both of them we can learn pros and cons about in their lives. And first we started looking at Hannah and how she prayed and asked for asked for this son. And she had Samuel and Samuel, this great prophet who she gave to the Lord. And and Samuel becomes just is a is a man of the Lord and, and is such a, a a great prophet and he is the one that um, anoints Saul as king and then later on we'll see him anoint David as king and so we got to see all these different things over the last few weeks and and through all of that and all that preparation the Lord already had us here scheduled for for First Samuel chapter 13. And I'm just very thankful for that because we didn't veer off of it. We just stayed where the Lord had had us even in preparation over the last couple of months. And uh, and it's so fitting to where we are today is, is in this series of who is king. We're, as we're trying to navigate in our own lives of where we're going and what we're trying to accomplish, we see this, and this is titled this morning, is Handling Difficult Situations. And, uh, and that's so where we are today of, of everything going on with the coronavirus and everything going on with just uncertainty uh, in our country and in our culture, uh, the th- everyday things that we're used to of how to handle difficult situations. But even more specifically, you say, you know what, that's maybe that's not affecting me so much or, or you know what, uh, you know, just in my everyday life as I'm dealing with my spouse or I'm dealing with my children or I'm dealing with, you know, my job, whatever the whatever the case is that we know how to handle difficult situations. The biggest situation I had to deal with constantly is just myself. And so I pray as we're just making decisions and walking through life that we'd be able to see how to handle those things. And we're going to see two things in this contrast contrast as far as man's way and God's way. That's our two points this morning. The first nine verses of 1 Samuel chapter 13, we're going to deal with man's way and how we see ourselves going through our everyday routine, how Saul did, and just thinking what was right and what was best, and yet it was against what God had. And then you turn and we look at verses uh, 10 through 14. And we're going to see what God's way is about, uh, how, how to go about God's way and how God has already set some things in place. And so looking at that very, even just diving in a little deeper, when we look at man's way, verses one through nine, we see in the first verse that Saul has now been king for the last couple of years. And, and so now he's really established himself as the king of Israel. And, and now they're really, the honeymoon is, the honeymoon period is over. They're really starting to see what kind of leader that they really have. And so as they see this in verses two and verse four, we'll look at in verse nine as well. You see that Saul really begins to be in our first point under man's way is selfishness. You see him become very selfish 
uh, in his approach uh, as the king of Israel. He, you see in verse 2 that he chooses for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were with him and another 1,000 was with his son, Jonathan. And, and we see that he reduces his army a great number. And instead of being in the tens of thousands, now he's just in this 3,000 men that he has. And when he does this, he's basically saying, you know what? We are a strong nation. We've had victory over the last couple of chapters and over the last couple of years. God has, he doesn't really acknowledge, but God has been good to him during his time. And so he reduces his army and there's the Philistines that are all kind of encamped around him and tells us in these verses that there's these garrisons, these different checkpoints that the Philistines have around them. And so Jonathan goes and attacks one of these garrisons. And, and with that victory that he had now, the Philistines are really, uh, really enraged. They're really mad about this situation, of course. And so they come against uh, Israel. And it tells us uh, that in because of this now, uh, uh, uh the Philistines really come with a great number. In verse 5, it tells us all the many chariots and the many men that really come up against Israel. And it tells us here in verse 4 that Saul uh, calls out in these verses. Saul calls out to all of Israel because the Philistines are coming. He says, listen, we need to get a great army. And so the people start gathering around. And he says is because that he defeated the Philistines at that specific garrison. And you see him take credit for even his son's battle that he won. And it says that he gathers all of them together to Saul, to himself at Gilgal in the end of verse 4. You see him begin to just have this selfish nature about him. And then even in verse 9, now that all this is happening, and then we'll look at this in the next point, that all these, all these people are against them, uh, the Philistines, and they lay there in wait, uh, the Israel does and Saul does. And he's waiting there seven days because Samuel is supposed to come and meet him at that appointed time so that they could have this offering to the Lord, this burnt offering to the Lord right before they go into battle to really set the tone that God is the one that's going to be leading this battle, doing all that. And when Samuel didn't come at the appointed time, you see Saul take it upon himself to ask for the burnt offering and the peace offering. He says, bring it to me. He really takes it upon himself in his own, in his own might. And he offers this burnt offering supposedly to the Lord. And he does this in a way of, you know what? If it, if, if God's not going to come through, if Samuel not going to come through, I'm going to do what I need to do. A very superstitious way about doing things. And you see that so often in his life. And you see that in our life. Like, you know what? We're really not, uh, you know, whether it's at a ball game and asking for prayer over the athletes or whether it's before our food or just even the start of our day. You know, I'm going to say my prayers in the morning, maybe on the way to work or what, right when I get out of bed. But are you really asking the Lord to bless you or is it just a routine? Is just that something that you're just kind of supposed to do? And so I hope that that's not where we are in our walk with the Lord. If it is, I pray that we would become very genuine in our walk with the Lord, but you see him just having this selfish nature about him that I'm just doing it because I have to. And I'm going to take it upon myself and people around me are going to let me down. I'm going to do it. And, and you see that about his attitude. And it reminds me so much of the rich fool that Jesus talks to us about uh, in, in the book of Matthew when he says, you know what, this man, this foolish man set up all this 
all uh, all his wealth. He brought it. He set up uh, in, in his barns all this food and, and to last him for years. And he set up bigger barns so that it can last for even more years. And he was set. You know, for us today, it would be like, you know, this guy's quarantined. He has all the food, all the toilet paper, all the things that he need, needs. He's set. And the Bible says that in, in that scripture that uh, this man's soul was going to be required of him that night. And so, I mean, what a, what a shame, you know, what a shame that that guy had all the earthly preparations, but he didn't have the heavenly and the spiritual preparations in his life. And so the Bible calls him a fool because he, and because he didn't make the right preparations. The reason I even bring that up in this situation with Saul is because in verse specifically 18 and 19 of Matthew chapter 12, you see the rich fool. You see him, see him in that place saying, I will do this and I will do that. And I will gather for me. You just see a bunch of eyes and a bunch of selfishness in his attitude. And the Bible called him foolish. And later on, Samuel will call Saul foolish. And I pray that we won't be foolish people, that we won't have this attitude of selfishness. We find ourselves always in a mess and always having to deal with God's judgment and, and, and dealing with God's righteousness that he, that he will and he has to deal with. It's because we have acted first. We have gone on our own. We have become selfish in this way. And so I pray that that's not who we are, but we see this is our nature. This is man's way going about doing things. And you see the next thing, picking up in verse six, you see, and then this is the next point in man's way. You see the impatience of Saul. You see him become very impatient in verse six. It says, when the men of Israel saw that they were in danger, the people were distressed. So they start hiding in all of these different places. It says some of the some of the Hebrews even cross over back over the Jordan to the land of Gad and Gilead. As far as Saul, he stayed in, Gil, uh, in Gilgal, and all the people followed him trembling. The people that did stay, that didn't go hide in caves and cross back over the Jordan River, you know, they they were trembling. They were afraid. And it says he waited seven days, according to the time that was set by Samuel. The ones that were afraid, he says they. You know, the, and it says Samuel didn't come to Gilgal, so the people began to even scatter from him, from Saul. He started to lose that control that he was so proud of before, and so he he does that burnt offering. But you see his, you see him in this place of just being very impatient because Samuel did not come when Samuel was supposed to come, and and as we as we see that this this place of impatience. I pray that we won't be people of impatience, that we would be people who are, instead of being uh, impatient, that we would be obedient. And, and so it tells us, even it seemed good that he did this burnt offering, it wasn't good because he wasn't obedient to the Lord. And you say, you know what, but he, he did something, he did something good. He like, he, he said an offering to the Lord. Why couldn't the Lord be satisfied with that? And in, and in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22, Samuel uh, speaks about that to Saul. And he says, has the Lord has the Lord as great delight in burnt offering and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? He says, behold, to obey, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he says it's important for us to be obedient to the Lord. The Lord has already set the standard. The Lord has already done all of these things. It's important for us to live in the things of the Lord. And so I have a couple of the verses that I, uh, that, that is there on that on that uh, work, uh, worksheet or whatever you want to call it, uh, excuse me, uh, but for you to go back and look, look through and, and continue to talk about just the obedience and being, and being patient in the Lord. Hebrews 6, 12 
James 1, 1 through 8 talks about even during difficult times uh, that we are to be patient, that we're going to be growing in wisdom in the Lord, and that we would be people on steady ground instead of people that are tossed to and fro, that we would be that we would become patient in the Lord, trusting in the Lord that we could trust him because he has not left us or forsaken us. And so we see again his impatience. And I pray that we would be people of the Lord, people of the Lord's way. And, and that goes into our second point of God's way in verses 10 through 14. And the first thing we need to see when we're dealing with God's way is well, we'll see two things. The first thing will be righteousness. And the second thing will be his gracious, how, how gracious the Lord is, his grace. And so the Lord is righteous and he's gracious. And one of the verses that I want to read, I'm going to turn to it real quick, is is Psalm 116 and verse and uh, verse 5. Psalm 116 verse 5 says, Gracious is the Lord and righteousness. And righteous, excuse me. Yes, our God is merciful. God is so merciful. Even in his righteous, in his righteous judgment and how he is a just God, yet he's still very merciful. He's, he, he's long-suffering, meaning that he's patient with us that, that he, he just, even when we mess up, uh, that God, that God continues to show us mercy. He tells us that he is the father of mercy. Uh, he is the origin of it, of, of being able to just, when we mess up and we go against him, that he gives us chance after chance. Yes, there's consequences in his righteous judgment, but God is so loving and so caring toward us. And so in God's way, we see righteousness and, and, and we also see his graciousness. In Psalm 116.5, it tells us that as we look at God's way in verse 10, it says, as it, And it happened as soon as he had finished presenting the burnt offering, and Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him, that he, that he might greet him. Verse 11, And Samuel said, we're in 1 Samuel 13, What have you done? And I believe this is very important and very key when we're talking about just in God's way. It's okay to ask God questions. But I love the fact that Samuel, kind of a representation of the Lord, he asked Samuel first to give his account of what happened and really to hear his side of the story. And in his side of the story, he's able to really express to Samuel how he felt and you know what was going on to have a little bit of compassion for him. That's what he was hoping for. Uh, and, and God does that to us. God listens to us even when we're wrong. He listens to us. He cares for us. And I pray uh, that when we ask God those difficult questions, when we turn and ask God that we would be people that would be ready to receive and would be people that when God comes down upon us or chastises us, that we would take it, receive it, ask God for forgiveness and move on. And I don't really see that in the life of Saul. And I pray that we, we would be that kind of person that, that would really ask God for forgiveness that he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of our unrighteousness, that we move on in the Lord. And so he says, what have you done? He says, when I saw these things happen and all these people were around me, he goes, listen, he goes, I was afraid. You know, they were all gathered. And I, he said, I felt compelled in verse 12 to offer up a burnt offering. And he goes, I did it. You, you didn't come when you said you were going to come. And you know what? I took it upon myself to do it because I was not going to go into battle without doing these things. And he says, and it, like I said, it sounded good, but it was wrong. And, and God is a, a God 
that is going to be a just God. He is going, he already set the standard, as I've already said, and we are to live in that standard. And in verse 13, he says, And Samuel said to Saul, You have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment or the Lord your God, which he commanded you. He says you should have been obedient. You should have listened to what God had said. You should not have become impatient. And that's where he was wrong in his selfishness, his impatience to the Lord. He should have been patient. He says, for now the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. If we look at it in a bigger scope of it, God has really taken away his dynasty here. He's really taken away his, uh, as it's not going to be his son carrying the torch as far as the kingdom. And he's going to lose that and so on and so on. It's going to be given to somebody else. We'll see that it's going to be given to David. Later on, he's going to lose his kingdom. He's going to lose it right then and there uh, in a few chapters later. And so right now he's losing of being the king forever and his name living on forever as the king of Israel. And it tells us in verse 14, as we're moving on to the last point in God's way of how God is gracious, of how God is just gracious. You know, I believe in that in that place of verse 13 and 14, there was a place, as we just spoke about, of forgiveness and asking God to really just uh, forgive uh, Saul in that moment. You don't see Saul crying out to God and crying out to Samuel uh, in that moment. But Samuel comes and makes this proclamation. This is a proclamation, and this is more for the nation of Israel, I think, than anything. But it, it shows the graciousness of God in and through our lives. God says, and now your kingdom shall not continue, but the Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be commander over his people because he have not because you have not kept what the Lord has commanded you. And listen, God is a merciful God. And God is merciful when we ask for forgiveness and that we ask God to really restore us into the right fellowship with him. But in this situation, Israel, yeah, they asked for this king and they got what they deserved. But God was very gracious to them. God says, you know what? This is the man that I wanted from the beginning, David. He's going to be a man after my own heart. And he's going to be a man not to just do the religious thing of doing the burnt offering, but to know it's about the relationship part of it. He's going to be a man after my own heart. David was a shepherd boy. David knew how to uh, take care of his sheep. And when he had to fight battles against the bears and the lions and all these different things that it tells us in scripture that he had to fight up against, that he trusted God to fight those battles for him. And then when it came to caring for his sheep, he knew how to care for them. Saul was a selfish person. God had told them in the beginning, this king that I'm going to give you, the king that you're asking for, he's going to do these things to you and they still warn him. God says, I have something better for you. I'm going to give you a man after my own heart that's going to really care for you and love you as a nation and as a people. And so God cares for us and loves us that way. And I pray as we're navigating through life and as we're trying to handle difficult situations, know that we serve a God that has a standard and that we have to follow that standard. When we mess up and don't follow that standard, God is very gracious. He's very merciful to us, even in his righteousness. And what does he want to do? Get us back on that right track. Be the person like David was, that David's going to be that we'll see in the next few weeks. A man that falls, yet he'll get up and he'll keep after, keep seeking the Lord. He's a man after God's own heart. He wants to do right before the Lord. And I pray that would be the people that we would be. And so, Crosspoint, as you're examining this and on your worship guide, that's a better term than the worksheet, but a worship guide, 
that you would follow that there's a challenge on there, there's a prayer in there. I pray on those challenge and that prayer for our lives in, the, in this time of response that you would just get real with the Lord. You'd say, Lord, I, I see myself handling situations this way. I'm always acting first before just listening and being in tune with you. I pray that we would be that kind of people, that we would follow the ways of the Lord, that we'd be sensitive to what he's trying to show us, and that we would act the way the Lord would want us to act. And I pray that we represent the Lord in that way, that we would know what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. Let me pray for us one last time. Lord God, we love you and praise you. We thank you so much, Lord God, for who you are. Thank you for working and speaking in and through our lives. And I pray that we'd be the people that you would want us to be. Again, we love you and we praise you. Let us be the church that you would have us to be, Lord God, especially in these uncertain times and these uncertain situations, Lord God. I pray that you would give us the understanding, the knowledge, and the wisdom to do what we need to do. Again, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Cross Point Community Church, thank you so much. And I pray God blesses you this week. Reach out to us. Contact us if you need anything. Be the church this week. Encourage one another. Reach out to a few people and tell them, not physically, you got to keep that distance, but reach out to them in ways through texting them, calling them, and, and checking on each other, Lord, and, and not Lord, but people, and encourage them uh, in the Lord. Again, we love you. And uh, God bless you.